0: We need to go to the bullpen. Welcome baseball fans to this, the very first episode of the Highland Bullpen, your all-new podcast bringing America's game to Scotland's shores. In terms of baseball knowledge, it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out the minor leagues. This podcast is the one for you. Hello baseball fans and thanks for joining us on this debut episode. Whether you're in Los Angeles or Lossymouth, Dundee or Denver, New York or New Cumnock, you'll find something to love. Full disclosure at the top of the show. This ain't going to be a stats fest comparing ERAs or on-base percentages. There's plenty of baseball shows where you can get expert analysis until your ears bleed. We're all about the experience of baseball and sharing stories about four football-loving limeys like us fell in love with the game. Plus some of the adventures we've had travelling around the world to follow our sporting passion. We've got the bases loaded with fantastic features for you today. And with just 24 hours to wait before the first pitch of the new season, our roundtable discussion will focus on what this once-in-a-lifetime season might have in store. For Scottish football fans looking to find a baseball team to follow, we'll point you in the right direction. Whether you're looking for a one-season hookup or wanting to get hitched to the baseball love of your life, we'll find you the perfect match. We've also got a quiz during the 7th inning stretch, so let's see if you are going to hit a homer or strike out. So stay tuned for all that and more, and with so much to pack in, let's meet the boys in the bullpen. Our lead-off bullpen bro is Alan Cameron, a switch-hitting Highlander whose sporting love has taken him from Dingwall to Detroit. Hi, I'm
1: Alan, originally from the Highlands. I left that particular bullpen in the 1980s, and first linked up with Yorkshire Dave in Edinburgh. where We watched football, stroke, soccer together. In recent years, the group have expanded our travel adventures and I take responsibility for transporting the other guys around from Peterhead to Rotterdam with the odd trip to Dinfermline thrown in. It's not always an easy task. I enjoy traveling and watching live sports. So I've undertaken many trips to watch numerous sports and I love the whole experience of ball games, which I first witnessed live eight years ago in the minors. I'm a bit of a collector and cherish my freebie beer plastic mug collections from various sporting arenas but also my ice cream helmet collection from baseball teams. Having met a young lady from Detroit, it's obvious I'll root, root, root for the Tigers and look forward to following them from near and far this season and beyond.
0: David Skelton, who has a nickname Dave Jr. suggests, is the youngster of the operation and, to be honest, definitely the eye candy as well. Although given the competition amongst our gang, that's a bit like being the nicest guy in prison. Here's Dave Jr.
2: Well then, I am the second David and the other half of the the Davidy sandwich we have going on which beautifully uh, is constructed with Alan and Richard somewhere snugly in the middle. Uh, I'm a very, very big sports fan and have met the guys over the years and we've travelled to various locations which has really brought us closer together and meant that this podcast has became something very quite important to us. Aside from sports, and really all sports, uh, I'm also very heavily into anything epic. So if you're thinking about books or movie franchises, anything which is lengthy, uh, that's that's my kind of bag. Which may actually explain why 162 games in a season uh, of a sport is something that appeals to me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this podcast takes us, just uh, in terms of as friends, but also in terms of how you can learn that bit more about baseball. Uh, and the people we can meet over that period of time.
0: Every good ball club needs a wily veteran pitcher on the mound. And as you'll see in the quiz later on, David Ince has got a mean selection of fastballs and sliders that will be coming at us. And although David's accent might be more boycott than baseball, he really knows this stuff when it comes to America's game.
3: Hi, talking of accents, I'm the Dave who is originally from Leeds. I lived and worked in Edinburgh and Glasgow most of my adult life, and this is how I came to know the other fine gentlemen of the Highland bullpen. My own interest in baseball came from a visit to Boston in 1993 when I took in a game at Fenway, hence my support for the Red Sox. I then immersed myself in the game for a few years thanks to Channel 5's showing of live games in the late 1990s with Johnny Gould and Todd Macklin. I had kind of lost touch with the game recently, but the passion of my fellow podcasters has rekindled my interest, for which I'm very grateful. I'm now looking forward to lots of good baseball-inspired chat now that the new season is finally upon
0: us. I'm Richard Pigeon, the host of the Highland Bullpen. Among our gang, I'm the most recent recruit to baseball fandom, and as you can probably tell from the accent, I'm a Glasgow lad. My first live baseball experience was watching the Oakland A's during a family holiday to California, but I've also got family connections further up America's west coast in the fabulous city of Seattle, so I'm rooting for the Mariners in MLB season 2020. Of course, the real star of the show is the Highland bullpen mascot, Hamish. Hamish, can you say hello to our listeners? You'll hear Hamish at regular intervals and he'll also pop up for a special role in the quiz in the Seven inning stretch where he'll let us know if somebody's got the answers wrong. So there you have it, the starting rotation for the Highland bullpen. Now let's go straight to our bases loaded discussion where, with just 24 hours to go before the first pitch of the season, we discuss what this unique 60 game 2020 season has in store.
3: Well, there was uh, some suggestion that uh, wasn't there a bit of a player... Dispute, like the commissioner of baseball, which is basically the owners, uh, wanted them to take another cut, and they'd already taken a cut, hadn't they, in the COVID nineteen, or agreed to a cut in pay. So there was a suggestion that you know maybe it wouldn't go on. This was a few weeks ago, and that would be the first time there'd been no baseball for 150 plus years. If if it didn't go ahead this year, might. Even carry you know, even when there was a player strike and no World Series in, and was it ninety ninety four? They did play some baseball that year, so yeah, it was. I think it. I think there was a, a chance it uh, might not happen.
0: And what about you, Alan? Did you did you think it would get resolved? Or did you think it would drag on for months and months potentially? Um, this,
1: despite being a Scottish football fan, I had a bizarre expectation that. Um, we would be playing ball I, I just assumed that everything would that there would be an agreement and it would fall into place. It was a, a few intriguing things for me. One one thing that stuck out was the salary aspect of this um, if, if I understand it correctly in essence the players are going for pro-rated salary based on the fact we're not Playing 162 games, we're playing we're playing 60 games. Um, I don't know if that's 100 correct, but that seems to be the the thinking of it. And when when you consider the sports that a lot of people in the UK would watch, I mean, yet a lot of footballers said, "Oh, we'll postpone our wages, we'll we'll take a wage small wage cut to avoid being furloughed." I, I don't think any Scottish footballers would have turned down and said we're not playing the last five or six games of the season, so therefore you can have one-sixth of my salary back or one-eighth of my salary back. So it, it was intriguing for highly paid guys, and you hear stories of, yeah, they get $8 million a season for the for the top players or whatever. Um, you never imagined they say, okay, we'll, we'll take $3 million. That just seemed quite, quite strange. Um, when you read more into it, you realise... That the owners, unlike a lot of owners of Scottish football teams, um, and and indeed the English Premiership, the, the owners, I think, look to make money off the baseball experience as well um, for fans. And and I guess if you've got 81 home games a year and all the revenue and the sponsorship and TV rights that brings in, you, you can expect something a little bit different in ter- terms of the approach but that that, that for me was, was quite intriguing. It did seem to drag on um, and that started to get me worried. I, I never challenged the fact that I had a Major League Baseball TV subscription and there was no refund coming but they actually came back when they announced they were playing and gave me a pro rata rebate or a refund for towards next year's subscription. So, a sensible way of doing it because I'm tied in for next year and I, I don't feel I've, I've lost out. Uh, so excited to see it. Um, first thing I did was I downloaded the printable Detroit Tigers schedule, um, printed it off, and then I highlighted the games that I'll be able to watch because I, I normally fall asleep at 10 o'clock at night. So <laughs> um, all, all the 110 and 135 games uh, are, are highlighted um, every Sunday. Um, so that's my Sunday evening sorted out for uh, 10 weeks um, uh, and and the odd the odd midweek game um, uh, maybe one a week um, uh, the, the white socks are in there a couple of times
2: um, 10th of August
1: yeah, yeah you got it, you've got it scheduled um, <laughs> yeah. so uh, lo- looking forward to that um, and it, it, interested as well the the other Big thing here, uh, and I hadn't thought about this, and I'd be interested in the other guys' opinions. Is you you sort of think if you look at a football season or a soccer season, 60 games or a shortened season gives other teams a little bit more of a chance, but maybe not significantly. I I think with baseball, it changes the dynamics quite a bit because there is less pressure on your bullpen and there is less pressure on the depth of your your pitching squad. Because this way, Alan,
3: when was the last time the Tigers on the, almost in August were tied for first place?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're,
3: they're, they're well, going to go. Tigers, but, you know, everyone's going to be tied for first place.
1: Maybe it was that false <laughs> position that's given me a, a little bit of hope for the, for the season ahead. Um, so it's a uh, it, it, it's interesting there's a few aspects there which we know that we'll talk about at some point that actually make the game a, a, a little bit different um, and and because you're you're playing different teams when, when you read some articles that talk about such and such a team has actually got an easier schedule because you' your, your 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 schedule is more heavily weighted towards the um, the the leagues and the divisions you play in um so those good teams playing in weaker areas have got more opportunity.
0: Absolutely, and that's a good point, Alan. I've turned to a resident White Sox fan and ask what, what impact you think the, the truncated, the shortened season will have and whether it will give maybe a, some of the less uh, fancy teams a chance to do well? Do you know, I really did think that at first, Richard, um, and I've kind of came
2: round full circle. Um, so, again, with my experience of baseball being a little bit, you know, it's getting better every, every season. But I kept thinking about how you would apply that in a football scenario or um, just kind of other sports a little bit closer to home. And I did, you know, at first I thought, right, it really gives you a chance to go out, you know, balls out, you know, however many games the season is going to be. Um, it really gives you a great chance. And I thought, well, all it does is give that, you know, like Alan said, it gives the bigger teams that that same chance to utilise their perhaps stronger squads in the first place um, so no I'm just I, I think I don't want to say pessimist, pessimistic or a little bit um, narrow minded about it but I think as soon as you started to see other sports throughout the world coming back you know there was that common denominator through them all that it tended to be leagues or sports with money so when you were asking Alan about the question of did you ever worry about it coming back. I don't think, I, I think everybody knew there was going to be some form of season, um, either if that would be you know, the slightly longer version or the, or the slightly shorter version. Let's face it, I'm, I'm sure the players want to play as well uh, and there would always have, have been a deal thrashed out.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Dave Ince, I wonder what you make of the idea that we might see a more high-pressured season for teams because if you're only playing 60 or so games, then even the best of teams, even in championship seasons, can go through spells where they they hit a bad patch, they lose six or seven uh, games in a a row. Now if that happens, you're really up against it because you get less time and fewer games to make that back up.
3: Yeah, I, I, I saw one uh, coach talking about it, and he said basically right from the start you're going to be in playoff mode. So you, you might see a sort of different style of baseball when every game means something. You know, in a 162-game season, you can start off pretty uh, slow and look after your players, etc. There's no real need to do that um you know they they may do things like manufacture runs more um if you know if you know what I mean sort of uh, <coughs> in fact, I saw that there's gonna there's a rule change you know so if it's a tied game um gonna for the extra innings they're gonna each inning is gonna start with a man on second base yeah so, so that's probably to make sure they' trying make sure they don't get too many long games but you know you are probably going to get pinch runners bumps, bunts things like that trying to get an edge early on and, uh, i think it's going to be quite exciting every game's going to mean something everyone's got a chance at least to start with uh, so all
2: yeah, right, cool i think teams then. like if you look at um, you're using myself and alan uh, as an example I think both teams are going to look at each other—the Tigers and the White Sox—and think, "There's there's a big chunk of our season against each other. What a great chance! What a great opportunity to to kind of put some some wins on the board."
0: Absolutely, and who's going to come out and talk then, Alan? Who's going to come out on top of those battles?
1: I, I think people will be surprised by the Tigers this season. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say it whole way. <laughs> A good effort last year and we've, we've obviously since we last talked I think we've, we've now had the draft as well so uh, picked up the number one draft pick um, interesting that as well because it's maybe quite different from the likes of a NFL where the, the number one draft pick probably goes straight into your squad whereas the, the development aspect of baseball is unlikely to see that happen although this season might be different and and again whilst it's great we're we're playing baseball um i suppose as a guy who just enjoys watching sport and enjoys watching sport and um, at at lower levels as well a little bit concerned about no minor the minor leagues not playing this year um you can understand the host of reasons why that that will have it obviously had impact on the size of of, of the draft. It had impact on um, future development of these guys, but but then it also means I think that's one of the reasons why the the taxi squad they're they're calling I think or the the overall sixty man squad is a lot potentially a lot bigger than than normal. Um, I, I think it might be a, 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 let's say a couple of seasons before we see. Uh, uh, playoff baseball at Comerica Park so but um, yeah let, let's, let, let's who's that let's
3: guy go go that got the amazing hitter Spencer
1: Tor- Torkelson yeah oh,
3: did I see somewhere that suggesting he, he might just get a, the call to play
1: yeah, um, yeah I think he, he's he, such he, a
3: great hitter
1: yeah I think they have put him in the the 60 the, the man squad yeah. um, uh, which is, is great for him um and again, I don't fully understand it, but you would think a season like this must be a good opportunity to try to to, to blood a few players. Um, you know that soccer teams would potentially try to do that if it's not going to be a winning season for them. Uh, they know they've got some good talent in there, so give them the opportunity without demoralising them. So it would be exciting to see that and and as relatively recent converts to the team, it's good for us to then potentially see guys come through that system and and we can watch them uh, a lot quicker than we we normally would have as well.
0: And in terms of the White Sox, what what are you looking for? What improvements do you need to make this season? Do you
2: know, last season was actually pretty decent, Um, especially it was a good start to the season and things just petered out a little bit, but it was actually, it was looking quite a good a good season and again I think, uh, again I I don't fully understand everything that's been going on for the last decade uh, with the the organisation but um, there really seems to be a a good process in place over the last few years to not necessarily hit the ground running last year or this year but to really put something in place over the next few years to to bring about a better team Uh, and again from everything I read and I don't I don't quite know all the, you know, uh, all those draft picks individually, or or how they'll, they'll come into the team, but it, it sounds from reading the, the guys that do seem to know what they're talking about. Um, it does seem to be a little bit of positivity, so I think I don't know, maybe the first ten games. It'd be really interesting to see the standings after that. Um, again, just to refer back to earlier, you almost feel like to use a football analogy, every game feels like a bit, it's almost a bit like a six-pointer. Um, you know, there's so much emphasis going to be on, on getting that W. It'll really be quite interesting. So after 10 games, you might see some big teams in a bit of trouble. Uh, they've really got to turn things around and, and get that deficit back. But you might find, you know, someone like the White Sox, someone like the Tigers sitting quite nicely towards uh, the top of the
1: week. So I think it'll be um, really quite interesting. And in terms um, of
0: those... Sorry, Alan, go.
1: I was just going to say, I'm not sure which way around it is, but I'm sure I read something that um, if it was either the first 60 games or the last 60 games of last season, the, the Nationals would not have made the playoffs. And then they went on to become world champions.
0: And I think that proves the point, Alan, that a shorter season, could throw up surprises, because as you say, over 60 games, even eventual champions can, can falter and, and not have the time this season to make up that deficit. But Dave Ince, the Red Sox, with all their their experience and, and the fact that their players always carry a huge weight of expectation, do you mm. think they are better equipped to cope with the increased pressure of a almost a season that's like one permanent golden goal or one permanent penalty shootout almost in terms of pressure? Yeah, I mean, uh,
3: these so sort of, you know, talking in terms of the 21st century, then uh, you know, Red Sox are, uh, what's the expression? They're winning in its most, uh, I think they've got three, four World Series. They're always competitive. And uh, although this is not born on facts, but it doesn't stop me from having an opinion about it, but I get, I get the impression, I think, that uh, in usually the Sox have a good spring, and then they used to sort of mess it up, uh, you know, after the All-Star game, but uh, that's not necessarily the case. Now, of course, this season, uh, no uh, Mookie bets. he's gone, so, uh, you know, and that was sort of an intentional thing, so I'm not sure how much of an effect that will have. I'm not sure how much an effect it will have just looking at their schedule. They play, you, you know, the... Out of the 60 games, 40 games is against teams in your division. So that's 10 mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. against each other, poor, poor opponents. So, you know, and it's... Um, when I it came to the New York Yankees, I thought I saw this when it came out, and I couldn't quite follow. that. Red Sox start three, series three in the Bronx. Then they have another series of four in the Bronx. <laughs> So that's seven games already. They do finish off with three at Fenway. So, you know, I'm not saying that the New York Yankees are their sort of uh, most dangerous opponents, but that's, I think that's quite a a big deal having to play seven games in uh, seven games out of 60 in the ranks. Stu?
1: I'd love to see. Scottish football try a situation where we had an imbalance between the number of home and away games in different clubs can, can you imagine how warmly received that would be by our
0: fans and the media I think the good news for those who follow Scottish football is we have an impeccable and impartial fixture computer that makes all these decisions for us <laughs> island without fear or favour
1: I, I wish my computer would be as helpful to me if I asked it to do what <laughs> the SPFL one seems to be but that, I think I might know the reason but the the, the fixtures so you you're playing your 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 rival teams ten times, but it seems to be either six at home or four away or seven at home three away um five and five would presumably mean two-game series, which nobody is, is not appropriate. A, A, it's an issue that you're potentially travelling more. So what this does, I think, is cuts down the amount of travelling and maintains
3: traditional yeah, baseball that's philosophy. definitely been the aim of it, and it? it's cut down on travelling, try and keep the games as uh, short as possible. Um, try and keep everybody healthy I suppose as well
0: And it preserves that Subway series in New York as well so some of the, the classic yeah. rivalries and series will still will still go ahead. I, I wonder and this is my sheer ignorance, what the situation is regarding crowds in Major League Baseball in the return Have you guys seen any definitive answer for, for that? I
3: think I saw somewhere that in, uh, in Boston there were there's going to be no minor league games. Did you, did you say that, Alan?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: But uh, there was half a suggestion that they might see some crowds in games before the season's out. I'm not sure. humorous thing I did see online recently was, uh, you know, Mike Clevenger, the, the Cleveland, Cleveland Indians uh, pitcher. And yeah. he was talking about... Um, some of the games they're going to have to, to play against the Reds. And I wasn't really aware of this, but he's, he's got a friend who used to play a teammate, Trevor Brower, who now plays for the Reds. And Clevenger said, because I think the suggestion is that without crowds, the games are not very exciting. Clevenger said he's excited about the four-game series against his old teammate. Uh, so that because there's no crowd there, they'll be able to hear everything he says to him. <laughs> And that, I think baseball is a game like that where, you know, they uh, call it sledging in cricket, don't they? But yeah. I think uh, sledging in baseball, I think there's some real sort of uh, needle goes on. They might have to, you know, in, in baseball games, to put players off and get inside their heads. It's so similar sort of thing to cricket. Put them off as a, in there, waiting to bat. Yeah. So
1: it what seems
3: like Parental
0: discretion advised. That sounds like them in when baseball
1: results. Well, one of the things I did read, um, and we, we've just watched the the Leeds United game. So great, great one for the Whites there. Um, and I love how Leeds they, they've not gone for the mega money that they'd get for big sponsors by having big adverts from their corporate sponsors in the stands. They've got cardboard cutouts off the fans. And I think the guys might be paying for that, but I think fair enough. I, I did read at least one of the teams, um, what they were offering was the same idea that you get your carpet, cardboard cutout. And they had three different prices. Um, and it, it went, so you could have your your very basic package of, I've got a cardboard cutout and there's a picture of me and, and that's somewhere in the stand. And you could go up to the hallway of paying for sitting in the foul ball area, and if your foul, if a if a foul ball hit your cardboard cutout, they would give you a used match ball. Awesome! Uh, and, and I cute. thought that that was great. Um, you? So creative! I Sorry. So
0: creative, just great yes. thinking.
1: I think the other categories might have been, yeah, just the basic or you could, the second category might have been the basic plus a bit more and you could pick up your cardboard cutout and then the third was, yeah, yeah go and do that. And, and I, I, as somebody who just loves watching sport, I think I, I think that's so much better, so much more creative than just, yeah, who, who's going to get, which bank's going to give us a hundred thousand dollars to have their, their billboard featured prominently.
3: Wasn't there one of the United games um, where they were reporting some crowd trouble? Because There was a, a gust of wind inside the ground <laughs> that uh, blew a, gr- a group of these cardboard cutouts over, and they was suggesting there was a bit of Sophie going on. And also, one of the these players actually, when he scored, uh, the goal went into the cop end to celebrate <laughs> with the fans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So with the cardboard cutouts, in a case of you're not standing anymore. The opposition <laughs> yeah. fans could sing at them. <laughs> and of course, and, and, and I hope Gunners fans will forgive me, but I'm led to believe that Arsenal have had 60,000 cardboard cutouts of their games for many years, given the atmosphere at the at Gunners games. Uh,
1: like, it's a very
2: two-dimensional joke, Richard.
0: Oh, always, always, way. Uh, no,
1: I'm not sure on another aspect of the the crowds. So one of the interesting things that we we might not see so much of in the UK is that um, all all the states are effectively imposing their own rules for social distancing and what's open to what, what crowds. So you might well find Michigan and California have got very different rules in two weeks' time as to what could happen. So you might find that one of them has crowds and one of them doesn't have crowds, uh, unless – and I've not heard this – unless Major League Baseball turns around and says, uh, absolutely no crowds allowed.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if we might see politics as ever creeping into every aspect of life and teams and states and cities that are very much on one side of the political spectrum might adopt a more carefree cavalier approach. And teams from other cities might know it. Uh, I think it's and very likely that could happen.
1: Yeah. I, 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 again, I don't. I, I don't read about lots of different football leagues and what they're doing. But when I do browse the sports papers, I don't see hear a lot of um, don't hear a lot of footballers saying, "Oh, if somebody gets the virus, we, we can't play." In in baseball, there does seem to be a bit of a movement amongst the players that if there's positive tests or if there's two or three positive tests, then we've got a question, can we go forward in this? I'm not heeding the English Premiership or the English Football League really doubting the wisdom of what they're doing or having concerns that they're going to have to stop in in two weeks' time, whereas I think Major League Baseball, a lot of the chat I hear, would potentially be prepared to do that. And, and perhaps quite rightly.
0: Yeah, I believe a number of individual players, including I'm sure several from the, the Washington Nationals, including Ryan Zimmerman and Wellington Castillo, have already decided they are not willing to play in the shortened season.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think um, if you're shielding, or if you've got vulnerable people in your household, then that's um, potentially a sensible decision. Yeah. Um, I don't know the financial impact on these guys, but they're obviously making that decision for the the correct reasons for them and their family.
0: Absolutely. No, absolutely. One thing that struck me as well, coming back to Dave Ince, is a, a resident stats man with his cricket background and love of all <laughs> things statistics-based. Baseball, as we have spoken about before, we love our stats. We love what they tell us about comparing greats through all the years of baseball's history. In a 60-game season, now obviously records like home runs hit can't be touched or matched in that kind of season, but what about batting averages over the course of a 60-game season? Can they, fairly, can they fairly be compared to achievements yeah, I, and performances I, in the past?
3: Well, baseball is... You, you probably heard the, uh, the record with the asterisk against it. You know, and this that came from... Baseball. Now, this season, if somebody comes from nowhere and wins the World Series against all the odds, one of the smaller teams, then it's going to have the mother of all asterisks against that particular World Series win. As for individual records, yeah, definitely. The point was being made is this the season where we're going to see a 400 batting average? Which I don't think has been done since a certain. You know, Boston man, just after the just after the war, that long ago. I may be wrong there, but would anyone know who that might be? There's a tunnel named that if you. Get, <laughs> <laughs> get off the airport in Boston and getting into town. I think the, uh, the the tunnel that takes into Boston. The Clayton. Ted <laughs> Williams, would be the last guy I think who's got a four hundred batting average, but.
2: Um, Modern yeah. day, certainly, it's, it's just not it's not a factor. Modern day, yeah. it's, it would be a first. Be a first
1: be be, interesting, their stats are quite interesting, though, because it, some of their stats, you have to play so many games or you have to be at bat so many times yeah. before your stat is valid. Now, I'm, I'm guessing um, for for the... The, the outfield players and batting, if if they're playing fifty to sixty games, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably enough for most most statistical records. Uh, might be slightly different if uh,
3: yeah, you would think so, pitchers. wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, I mean that, that the big stink about that asterisk was um, it was the home run record of Babe Ruth, which was sixty home mm-hmm. run way back, and then in 1960 or 61 there was a race for 61. I think there's a film that I've not seen. It's 61 asterisk. And it was Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, and they went for the title. And was it Roger Maris who got 61 that season? Because they were playing 162 games that season, as opposed to Babe Ruth's 154. So There's eight games difference out 162. Then for decades, he had to live with this question mark or more specifically an asterisk, against his record, which has now been taken away and it's just
2: recognised
3: as a bona fide record.
2: I was watching something about Roger Maris the other night, Dave, um, and the stress that he went through at the time uh, yes. in breaking that record, and then the hatred that came his way over the years. It wasn't um,
3: popular, was it?
2: he yeah. wasn't a loved man at all, and, yeah. and given that he took the record from from Babe was... Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, they spoke to his son quite a bit in this documentary. And again, they documented uh, Mark McGuire that particular season in the late 90s uh, when he and uh, Sammy Sosa, yes. what a character he is. Yeah. Right. Um, I've seen him in the flesh, both of them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both
3: amazing.
0: I think from that discussion, what we've learned, as Steve Ince pointed out, is that Nookie's left Boston, but all bets are off right across Major League Baseball as we approach a season like no other. That's us into the bottom half of the Highland bullpen, but stay tuned as we give Scottish football fans top tips for which baseball team to follow. We'll also go into the seventh inning stretch, where the quiz leaves one of us sitting pretty and the other guys feeling fairly embarrassed. And also we will discover which one of the bullpen bros has a secret regarding the Scottish football film classic Gregory's Girl plus a bit of Field of Dreams and Moneyball. Here we go.
2: So did you know that on the 13th of August this year the very first MLB game ever will be played in Iowa? If you can imagine why I would be interested in that um, and if you connect that with Iowa. Field
3: of Dreams?
2: yeah. So they're going to play. Um, the White Sox will play the Cardinals, and it's at basically at the site where the movie was filmed. Honestly, uh, yeah, yeah. So they're, oh, they're awesome. originally, when they announced it last year, they had the intention of housing about somewhere around five, ten thousand fans, um, and, and letting them in. But obviously, that's not going to go ahead. But they're still going ahead with the game, um, and it, I think it was meant to be the Yankees. Taking part, but you know it's it's now going to be the cardinals, but they're still going to go ahead. I think that'll be quite a cool spectacle to watch. Um, so apparently they've got it's in the same field. It's not the exact same area, but it's in the same um, the same field effectively. Um, and you'll have the players coming out of the the kind of cornrows out of the tall grass for it, which is again, it's I think that'll be a cool spectacle. quite sweet.
1: I wonder if everyone's schedule is clear. So oh, okay so that everybody can watch it because that, that's pretty iconic
2: yeah but it's just cool anyway I'm going to get a chance to sit the V guy down um, and again he's showed some interest in baseball in the last few months so um, again he's seen the film so it might just uh, trigger some emotions in him for it And um, yeah like you said it's a really iconic film the,
1: there is really a twitter page for the view from the field of dreams and I, I've not studied it intently but my understanding from looking at it is that whoever owns the farm behind it has a lovely veranda and every day or whatever they post a picture looking out onto the field of dreams and I just think that's just that's just far too cool.
0: That is seriously cool. I'm trying to imagine Scottish football deciding to pay homage to a footballing movie, I'm thinking Gregory's Girl. I whether that. maybe they could, either Rangers or Celtic or Hibs, could bring in some of the ladies. There's every chance they'd, they'd improve the team in a number of a number of cases. But it's a fascinating <laughs> idea. I love the idea that a sport would be willing to, to do that and, and to kind of organise a really special event round about an iconic movie.
2: I think it's, it's the 30th anniversary of the film, uh,
0: I think. So that's the kind of landmark behind it. And your favourite baseball-related movie or TV thing? Field of Dreams, you reckon? I'm more of
1: a Moneyball fan, I, I, because of the, the the numbers and the logic and the thought process that went in there. It's
3: a great film, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it's a fascinating one.
0: I should I should it, point out, and I hope Alan won't mind me pointing out that Alan's. Professional and employment background was in an industry where figures and and such like mattered a great deal. So I think he's possibly slightly biased.
1: It doesn't (laughs) mean I was any good at it, does it? Staying on the movie Gregory's Girl, um, that was filmed in Cumbernauld, was it not?
0: I believe that's right, yes.
1: This will probably be the first time that Kirk and Tullock Rob Roy, my my local junior team, is mentioned on a baseball podcast. (laughs) But they having decanted from the, the pitch in Kirk and Tulloch, have shared with Cumbernauld United for a few seasons. Um, so it's not not ideal for them not playing in Kirk and Tulloch, although there is talk that hopefully in, they're going to take over the Leisure Centre in Kirk and Tulloch in 12, 18 months. We'll, we'll, we'll get back there. But <laughs> uh, that's where, so you get down to Guy's Meadow. Is that then the equivalent of the field of dreams, it, it doesn't look the same to me.
2: Yeah, I'll go one better than you, Alan. Um, so I was, in the, I was in the sequel to Gregory's Girl, um, and it was my school where everything was filmed during the year, you know, for both films, and yeah. um, a couple of the houses that I've lived in growing up were in, are in the, the movies. So you know, I've played in all those pictures in the films as well. It's um, it's all that really come all has got,
0: <laughs> apart from the Penguin. <laughs> I was just trying to imagine a world in which you'd hear Cumbernauld and of Dreams the one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. That was brilliant to hear. I had no idea about that. So we've talked a lot about a lot of baseball teams and, and we, it's no secret that while baseball is the, the hot young thing, thing in our lives, our first love has largely been football or soccer. To our our American listeners, in terms of baseball teams and and soccer teams, I'm sure we can find some examples of what baseball teams would be good picks for soccer, football fans, in our language, to choose to follow in this season coming up. Alan, have you got any ideas to start us off about what teams could be the right fit uh, for football fans?
1: Yeah, I I think when when we do this, let's try and do it logically through, I suppose, volumes or numbers. Um, and if we look at the Scottish Premiership, uh, so let's, I've, I've got a wee list of them here alphabetically. Alphabetically, the first team in Scotland is Aberdeen. Um,
0: you don't want to start with the champions, Alan, checking.
1: <laughs> I think there might be a, a legal review over the validity of th- those discussions, which... Um, I might, I might even be helping fund.
0: <laughs> we'll tell you what. We'll avoid the asterisk then for the purpose of yeah, that. Yeah, let's do If you want a big asterisk, <laughs> then asterisk, that's
1: where to go. Um, so, probably Aberdeen and 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 usually we'll say and I did live there for a couple of years, so I can um, maybe get away with that. But they're probably one of the easier teams to uh, select a baseball team for their fan support because you've obviously got the Cincinnati Reds. So A- Aberdeen playing all red. They're, no- they're known as the Reds. Um, so Cincinnati seemed to be the obvious place to go there. I, I-, I did think that they're-, they're known as the Dons as well. And I then thought listeners might know more. Any baseball legends called Don um, that could tie in nicely with the C- Cincinnati Reds.
0: Mm. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. A good question. I was going to actually ask you, Alan, Cincinnati, obviously in in the great state of Ohio, are there any parallels between those teams in terms of success? Aberdeen have been largely a a large-ish but not all that successful team. They had a golden period for 10, 15 years. Is there any comparison there with the Reds?
1: I thought you were going to ask me, is there any financial comparison with the, the good folk of um Aberdeen who might be termed a wee bit more frugal than, oh, than some yeah, yes
0: for, for the benefits of listeners elsewhere within Scotland people in Aberdeen are, are legendary for their ability to to expect a a pound's change out of a fifty pence piece. So that's... it it's
1: it's an interesting question because when we come on to um it's a great question because when you look at Scottish football, it is, as we know, success-wise dominated by two teams. It's the early 1980s since either one of the two teams actually won the Premiership. Um, be- between them, they-, they must have won 90-plus championships. Um, so that doesn't leave an awful lot of pickings for other teams. So... I was looking at, if we look at Dundee United, and I guess at the time of this recording, we might want to question whether they will be a premiership team or not. And that's part of the, the asterisk of Scottish football <laughs> just now. Um, it, it, <clears throat> interestingly, um, I, I thought of a couple of different things for, for Dundee United, but I was looking at the, uh, the San Francisco Giants and the Baltimore Orioles are both black and orange colours, um, Dungeon United are, or, or orange or tangerine. Um, and I thought that there's options there, but I actually wonder if I should plump for the angels um, for Dungeon United and that they, they play in all white. And, and Dungeon United have got a nickname of the Arabs, uh, which mm-hmm. the, there's a few mythical stories as to why they're the Arabs, but um, one of them is that they, they were playing in all-white, and that was how they were then perceived in the 60s when they picked up that name. But the interesting thing with the Angels and with Dungeon United, I think from your point, Richard, is they've both won one title. Um, So Dungeon United in my football-watching lifetime in the early 80s under Jim McLean, uh, and the Angels have as well. That's not – a low number of titles is not completely – unique here, so I didn't have a sense that yes, you've won once, so therefore that's where you'll go because that would have encountered or encompassed a few different teams.
0: Can I throw another question regarding Dundee United to you all? Dundee United and Dundee, two top flight, for most of their history, football clubs within Scottish football. Their home stadiums sit no less than 300 yards apart, they're famously the two closest together senior football grounds, I believe, in world football. Within Major League Baseball, on the sprawling continent and country of America, what will be the two stadiums that are closest to each other geographically then? I'm assuming, obviously, you've got the Yankees and, and the Mets, but how do the Chicago teams compare in terms of distance between stadia?
3: North and south of the city, isn't it? But um, So, you know,
0: they're quite, it's quite a big city, right?
3: right enough. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know whether there would be anything closer than that.
0: Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've been to, to New York and I, I've only been to Yankee Stadium. And I've never been to see the Mets. I don't know how close they'd be. Uh, it's uh, Queens
3: and Bronx, isn't it? Uh, yeah. so As the crow flies, it wouldn't be that far, but they sort of, uh, you know, might be a secure route to get there.
1: The the Chicago and New York teams are in geographically distinct areas of their cities. Um, Mm. So so I'm not aware of anything like that. I mean, um, because the question we were talking about. Uh, states earlier in which sports are played in different states uh, it, it's fascinating because if you look at if you look at different states they tend to, everybody gets behind the one team in the state. so Chicago and New York are almost the, not the only ones but are outliers there, so if you look at Detroit um, it, it's quite fascinating, that the three stadiums for the 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 Pistons and the Red Wings. It's Little Caesars Arena. Um, you walk three hundred yards over to Comerica Park. You go out the back entrance at Comerica Park, and directly opposite you is Ford Field for the Lions. Mm-hmm. So that they, they are all within very. They, they are Ford Field and Comerica Park are neither to each other than Dens Park and Tannadice in Dundee. Oh, wow. But they're different sports and they will have the same, generally have the same fans because people in Detroit and Michigan will,
2: will support the their team. local
1: teams. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. What about, um, I'm sure, again, one of the documentaries I watched a while ago on the, the ESPN 30 for 30, um, Oakland? Um, oh, is it San Francisco?
1: Yes. Oh, Just yeah. The
2: Uh, I'm not too sure
1: the mileage there but that might be a shout especially interstate yeah bizarrely I would have to check this out but I think you'll find that if you're driving from one to the other that's quite a journey which involves going over a certain bridge as well Um, because the 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 Giants is obviously on the bay I've been to the Giants stadium and that's the famous one where the they can hit home runs into the into the bay and, and there's people in their boats hoping to catch them. And on the other side of the bay, which you obviously have to go over the, the Golden Gate Bridge to get to, is where Oakland is. So I guess depending on traffic, that's probably quite a long, long journey. Um, so, but yeah, they, I think that's the only other... Technically, the same city that would be have two teams in the same city.
0: So, going back to Scottish football's top flight, then, Alan, who else do we have? Who we find a let's find a baseball team for someone else.
1: Okay, dog. Um, but look, look, looking at Hibbs, Hibs, Hibs uh, one of the, one of the top teams um, in, in the league of, of Edinburgh. Uh, the, the thing that strikes me about Hibs is. Until recently, they had this jinx over them in terms of winning the, the Scottish Cup. Um, and I think so, somebody in this cast might know a wee bit better than me, but it, it was over a 100 years um, and they'd been in the final a few times, uh, effectively the equivalent of the World Series, but never managed to get over the line. So th- this was considered a, a bit of a jinx. And there's obviously, I, I guess, baseball's had a couple of jinxes in, in their time as well, the the Cubs recently mm-hmm. smashed their jinx a, a few years ago in winning the World Series, and and the Boston Red Sox uh, obviously had the famous jinx as well. But that seems to have been well and truly smashed in the in the 21st century.
0: Before um, we go before we go across to a man who supports both Cubs and the Boston Red Sox, can you just <laughs> let us know how that Cubs jinx uh, ended, Alan? <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> tragically, tragically is, is possibly the answer. Um, I think
2: we're a bit pushed for time, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: they, they were. Um, they, they did manage to come back and win a cup final against a lower league team. Um, uh, were, were they a lower league team at the same time oh, as well? Uh, they, yeah, they were both I'm, lower league teams at the same. I'm yeah. not sure that
3: that's ever happened before. You know. No. I've never seen it
1: really mentioned by anybody, but there were two championship teams. Yeah, there? yeah. It, it it might be worth, I mean, obviously... I, I,
3: Cracker Jack of the final as well,
1: didn't <laughs> it? Five goals, really. And I Chiefs of the Football Alliances as well here, Richard, as you <laughs> well know, with a <laughs> local team. So, so Hibs were actually in both cup finals in Scotland in that year as well.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, and, and lost the League Cup final to another... A premiership team, <laughs> the, the first from the Highlands to win the League Cup. So yeah,
0: spoken like uh, a, so, a proud Highlander.
1: So, so there were there were two things driving me here, and I think yeah, um, Dave's obviously got allegiances on both sides. I was obviously conscious in in terms of Chicago that Irvin Welsh, the the great author of of Train Spotting and films no, and, and other such like, he he lives in Chicago now, um, and is a White Sox fan. I think in homage to him being a Hibby, it would be unfair to put the Cubs um, in in line with that. And and they might not be overly happy with the the colours of of the Cubs. So I I think Hibbs have to fall in with the Boston Red Sox. And who knows, maybe Hibbs will go on and win four or five Scottish Cups, not dissimilar to what the Red Sox have done since smashing their jinx.
3: Just once a century I'll do that that's all,
1: you know. <laughs> you don't ask for
0: <laughs> much. <do you? laughs> what was it,
3: 1886,
0: uh, 1902, 2016? <laughs> fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Well, we've we'll, we'll, we'll managed to sort out Hibs. That's them nicely sorted. What about the arrivals across the city in Edinburgh's Gorgie area, Heart yeah. of Middle and the wonderfully named Jambos? Can we think yeah, of a major league yeah. baseball home for the home for Hearts?
1: That that one I found a, a wee bit harder to come up with a, a a major league baseball team for for Hearts. I did think about the whenever you get off the train from Glasgow and arrive in Edinburgh and you walk the half mile to 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 Gorgie you pass a brewery. Um, so it did think make me think a wee bit about the Minnesota Brewers. Shirt.
0: Uh, Not like you to pass a brewery, Alan. I don't know what you're thinking
1: of. <laughs> you, you had to pass it to get to the pub, um, <laughs> so yeah,
0: that's okay. I was worried.
1: Yeah, so so I, I did have that in my mind. Um, I, I was looking at the colours because they've got quite unique colours. The, the maroon shirts, and, and I thought a wee bit about the Colorado Rockies, but I've got I've got a better team for the Rockies. Um, I'm tempted, and any Hibs fans on the podcast might appreciate this. I'm, I'm tempted to go into the minor leagues for Hearts. Um, <laughs> their nickname, to many, is the Jam Tarts, and I found a minor league team in New Orleans or Norleans called the Baby Cakes. <laughs>
3: oh,
1: brilliant! The Baby Cakes, the Jam Tarts. Don't like let a... them in the major leagues. And, and maybe that's SPFL protocol these days for hearts, not to let them in the, the major leagues as well.
0: That sounds like a match made in pastry heaven, Alan. That seems a terrific. Yeah. I suppose Korea or Vietnam or any baseball teams that have been affected in any particular way, unique way, by wartime events.
3: But I think they did play World Series all the way through. So there were certainly plenty of, famous players, I mean, Ted Williams, who we mentioned before, he was, um, uh, he, he was in the, in the army, uh, for, for the second world war and in, indeed he was injured, but he came back afterwards and, and played, uh, almost like, Sir. Uh, I always think he's similar to Sir Leonard Hutton, the, the great Yorkshire and England opening batsman, who was also um, lost some of his career to the second world war and was, uh, Wounded, uh, I think they both had their arms affected, but managed
0: to to come back and, and continue their incredible careers after the war. Before we close out part one of this section, where we match football fans with baseball teams that they could and possibly should support, let's look at the ugly sisters of Scottish football: Glasgow's gruesome to some Celtic and Rangers. Which mm-hmm. which major league baseball teams do we feel their fans? should be follow-following in the case of Angels Island and which one should Hoops be having an eye for in the season to come?
1: Yeah, I like like that. I'd be interested in what the other guys think because there was a natural thought process for me to say, here's two massive teams who win most of the, the time in the same city. But I sort of came to the conclusion that that's not how baseball happens. So New York or Chicago was a way of looking at that. But if if I went for New York or Chicago as well, then um, the, the Mets and the White Sox, with all due respect to them, aren't in the the same stature as the Cubs and the Yankees <laughs> from a worldwide perspective. So how dare we, you. much much as I might like to promote one of the, the gruesome twosome above the other one, I think... Um, it's probably slightly unfair. I, I did, I, I did look at the um, Rangers are the ba- the teddy bears, and I thought, well, wh- where'd you get bears? And Washington State, Seattle Mariners, I thought about that. Um, but the Rangers is probably one of those that, like Aberdeen, is is quite easy to go by the name because we've obviously got the Texas Rangers. Yeah. So, I can quite easily see, and I might have seen, if I've ever been to a a game at Ibrox, I might well have seen people wearing Texas Rangers uh, sports apparel at at, at Ibrox. So I I think that makes sense, the Texas Rangers. Mm -hmm.
0: Sounds like a good fit. Let's not get too complicated, Alan. That makes tons of sense, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Celtic, um, a wee bit bit harder for me. I was looking at the, a, a few different things. Um, I, I sort of ended up on, not necessarily completely, but team colours. Obviously, Celtic are well known for the team colours of green, green, and yellow. And you're then also looking at the, the Bears with Seattle Mariners, but that's, that might not go down so well with them. So the, the Oakland A's, um, it, it keeps you in a big city. Um so that 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 certainly is a is a possibility um I, I thought uh, the the cap is green with a gold bill um the, the the green they use apparently the Pantone color is referred to as Kelly green um so that's a a, a famous celtic name so I'm gonna go with the oakland A's and I, and I can see plenty of guys walking around parkhead. Um, not not wearing the gear because of the name, but wearing the gear because of the, the colours.
0: And in next week's podcast, we'll have the second half of Scottish football's top flight. We'll get them neatly married up to some blushing brides in the world of Major League Baseball. I, I'm,
1: to- I'm just going to go for a base hit. being sufficiently nervous about completely showing myself up with my lack of you knowledge. Know Time
0: do that. Is that rhyming slang? <laughs> So here we are in the seven-finning stretch and we're going to go around and in some cases embarrass each other or in some cases get the chance to show off our font of baseball knowledge. David Ince is the quiz master. He's going to ask us questions and give us the opportunity to go for a, a base hit or to see if we're feeling ambitious. We could even swing for the fences. So here's Mr Ince to talk us through it. Yeah,
3: this is a bit of a tradition. There are sports Trips uh we make up a quiz for each other, so, uh, no, what I thought was we'd just go around the three of you and offer you a choice of a question: a single, a double, or a triple, and you obviously the single would be a relatively straightforward one, a double maybe reasonably hard and a triple a uh, hard question. No home run. So if you get your, if you get it wrong, go to the next person. If you get it right, you get a chance to go for home. So if you've, you've got a single right, then you'd need to go for a three-point question and triple to get your homes. So Alan, who has the pleasure of playing their home games at Camerica Park, previous venue for this club would have been the iconic Briggs Stadium.
1: That would be the Detroit Tigers.
3: That is correct. correct. Have you been there?
1: I have been there a couple of times. Um, so I've seen them get beat by the Pirates and some team called the White Sox.
3: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i definitely like to go there. And I have had the pleasure of being in the previous stadium, which was yeah. probably one of the best sporting moments of my Sporting career.
1: Anyway. It's it's fantastic. It's, um, yeah, we should, there, there's a possibility of a, a team yeah, track. I'll do the
3: report on that at some point. Absolutely amazing. So you're on first base. Do you want to stay there or do you want
1: to go for home? With triple- Let's go for home. Let's go for home now.
3: Okay. Triple answer. Maybe triple questions. All right. Okay. Well, I'll just go for the first one. What does a batter have to achieve in a single game in order to, be said, to hit for the cycle?
1: So, If he hits for the cycle, does he not yeah. then a single, a double, a triple and a home run?
3: No, oh, you've got it, man.
0: Home run.
1: <laughs> Do we get confetti flying That's off now?
0: Is <laughs> absolutely amazing. First class now. Alan, you know how we were talking before about how sledging goes on in baseball. <laughs> I, I had to put myself on mute as I sledged you relentlessly there. But well, well done, <laughs> honest. Dave,
1: Dave Vince knew I'd be good in the cycling questions.
0: Yeah, oh. <laughs> 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 that's cool, right. so,
3: right. Well, one zip, Dave.
0: It's
1: like following the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Nobody's ever said that about me before
0: <laughs> yeah, you're Stuart Sutcliffe, Cliff Allen.
2: Oh,
3: so, are you going for a single dive or a...
2: well, i a, Well say a punt personally. But, um what I, I feel I feel I'll be expected to get one point in as a while and get an absolute Shoe in with that question, but if I don't get the one point question, it's really embarrassing. So I feel like I should maybe go higher to get it wrong. Um, give me a, give me a two run, give me a second base,
3: okay? Right, well, you asked for it. So if you were watching a ball game in the friendly confines, where would you be?
2: Did I get a clue?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit cheeky and I, if you'd have gone for a one-pointer I would have asked you a question that might have related to your favourite club whereas this one has uh, the opposite of your yeah. favourite club. Yeah, limbs and brakes. <laughs>
2: That's the clue. Wait, Richard give me a clue. Or is he just confusing things?
1: Dave,
2: a Yeah, I'm yeah, giving
3: you a clue that um, if you are gone for a one-point, was to It's over at Wrigley a, Field. Correct. The friendly confines. Mm, not so much. Yeah, well, I'm not... I'm not sure exactly... I what where I, that comes but from. But was it because that um, they used to lose a lot of games and the other teams like to play there? I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure.
1: A great place. We
3: can, we can check that
0: out. Richard? Richard. Oh, so, does does, does uh, my fellow, was my White Sox compadre not get the chance to go for home course, as well? Yes, after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All
2: right, do you want to go for home, Dave? Another double? I'll take a single.
3: Oh, sure. No, you either stay on base or you've got to go for home. Oh, all right, go home then. Go home or go back. Okay, well, yeah, and I give you another sort of stadium question. Where would you be if you hit a ball over the green monster for a home run? Oh. Don't need the name of the stadium. I'll just, you can give me the ball club.
2: Is it Auckland?
3: No, no. no. Just, it's a good, no. decent, decent try given that we're talking about colours. Yeah. Actually, Fenway.
2: All oh, right,
3: okay. There. I think we've got you caught, you steel stealing there. Or
2: something, stupid quiz, anyway.
0: Uh, feel a great weight has been lifted from my shoulders. Give me, a, give me your best fastball, Mr. Rins, and go for it. What, a triple? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll, I'll struggle enough with a single, don't worry. I'm I'm the equivalent of a pitcher having to bat, so let's see what we've got. Which yeah. uh,
3: they're not going to do, are they, in the 60-game thing? It's no. uh, another yeah. DH in the, in the National League, but that's... Yeah. Right? Okay, Richard. Which team is known as the Bronx Bombers? The New York, the York Yankees. Yankees. Correct. Spot on. You're on base my son, you can stay there and just uh you know, luxuriate. Watch Dave sat in the bench.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will go for a double. Let's see if I can get me to get me to third. You gotta go for it. You gotta go home. Oh sorry, you're you're quite right. Uh let's uh, let's let's swing for the fence then. What you got? Okay. Here we go.
3: What MLB team? Is geographically the farthest north. I will go for
0: the Toronto Blue cheese.
3: Yeah, I feel a bit, I feel a bit naughty about that one because I suppose, and it's a while since I've checked it, but I think the Seattle. Seattle. Lions beat them. Oh, oh
0: just over the border, isn't it, Toronto?
1: That Post. was obvious.
0: That was going to be my first guess, and I have actually been to Seattle. I've got a lot of family in Seattle, yeah, so Marano's I don't know. Yeah, let because you had a, a bit of a connection
3: there. so yep, Sorry about that. You were definitely
0: caught stealing there. Uh, yeah, I got awfully close, but yes, I think I was just uh, caught at the plate. I think. <laughs> no, well, That was really good. I think that was really good, and congratulations. Uh, grudging but congratulations, but congratulations to Alan who gets us off the mark with an impressive, impressive run. Well done, Alan. Well done. I think that's
1: a good omen for the season for the Tigers.
0: You all got a hit though. That's true, but none of none of us struck oh. out. So let's, I like that approach. <clears throat> let's look in the Keep a proper score. Ooh, <laughs> like it. <laughs> you
2: know, competitive juices going. Ju- ju- he is, he is. I was jealous he doesn't get to keep a spreadsheet.
3: We well, had so sing, two singles, a triple
0: and a double. My that's not bad, I call. Just looking to, to close out the show, guy, the show's guys, which I think has been a, a cracker this week, we could maybe talk about something that you mentioned there, Mr Instant Ocean, that there won't be any pitchers batting this season, that that's another change that makes this yeah. season an extraordinary yeah. one. Is there a chance that this will become the norm, and that actually some changes that happen this season might actually become what happens going forward? Could this be an end to pitchers having to to be at, at bat?
3: I'm definitely saying that um, they think that that might be the way forward. I'm not sure where I particularly stand on that. I think uh, I think we said this before. All the teams that we seem to follow are all in the American League, aren't they? So. Mm. We've been to see those games we're used to seeing the designated hitter. It's quite fun to see the pitchers hit, and some of them can hit, you know. And if you go back far enough, uh, Babe Ruth started off as a pitcher, didn't he? So, you know, His record as a pitcher was um, superb. But when he, I think, pretty much when he went to the Yankees, uh, you know, from, from the Red Sox, <laughs> starting off the curse. I think they said, "Well, you know, that's it. You're a hitter now, and that he didn't pitch after that." So there's nothing to say that um, pitchers can't hit, but
0: yeah, could be. And for those of us who are relative newcomers to America's game, Alan, could you could you explain what the designated hitter rule is and what the distinction is between the the two leagues? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So in the yeah, you have one so you've got your national league and your american league and you've got your three um, divisions within within each um and the rule so you for sports fans are used to seeing football fans are used to seeing their team of 11 players and the 11 players go in and all have their own rules ro- um it's the same in a baseball team um but and usually here we have a situation where in one league the pitcher is part of the batting rotation and in another league the pitcher is not part of the batting rotation. Um, so that sounds sensible enough in that what you've got is a situation where um, <coughs> if you if you play for one team and you're the pitcher you know you have to bat or you know you don't have to bat. But bear in mind in American sports, you play cross league games. Mm -hmm. So you have a situation where your league might not play with a designated hitter, but you have to, when you then play an interleague game, you then have to go and hit. So the designated hitter is effectively you're the pitcher, but you're not, you're part of the field when you're, when when, when you're, um, when you're pitching um, but you're not then part of the batting rotation the designator the designator hitter comes in and does that so it's a, it's an intriguing
3: the interleague thing. thing there's a relatively new innovation there? I don't think they did that previously and is it right that the rules are if you're in the national league um, if you're playing a game in a national league stadium then you play by their rules. Yes. So, yeah, so the American League pitcher who's, who's probably never batted in there
1: unless it's
3: come over from the National League team would have to uh, go in and bat.
1: Yeah. So, so they're, they're, they're doing it in a very small number of times that season. and And I guess, I don't know if that ever influences the the manager's decision as to mm. who's pitching in certain games because do, do do they put it down as these guys aren't likely to get a hit, or do they put it down thinking that that guy's got a chance?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I did read an article, which I mean, the, the reason I love it, I, I love the fact that two leagues do something different because yeah. I, I I I don't like sport where it's uniform and everything happens in a very clinical way so I think this is great so I've read an article about the the different batting stories of various pitchers Um, and so you have situations where pitchers have hit home runs in world series games you've got situations where pitchers have gone 50 games or whatever without even getting a hit Um, so the the stories you can come up with there are, are absolutely Fantastic. Um, and that suddenly disappears if you take this situation away, which you can understand why you take it away because if people are saying, no, I only want to see sporting brilliance, then you will get that from a hitter more than a pitcher. It, it's it makes an
3: interesting game uh, tactically, doesn't it? Because you know, quite often I wouldn't imagine the pitcher's bunt if there's a guy on base. So yeah. you know, so perhaps care a little bit more Variety in tactics in the uh, National League. Yeah, yeah. Although, does it count against them if you look at sort of World Series wins? I don't know. I just need to have a look at that. What's the success rate uh, for American League versus National League? I, I, I guess there's always know, one I mean, in the final. Isn't there? <laughs> National are <League, isn't> gonna
1: <laughs> No, I, I guess it's um, it, it's one of those things that technically evens itself out. But do you then sign up? pitcher because you know he can bat a wee bit as well and you need that more in your league than the other Mm. league I mean that Mm -hmm. now sounds obvious when you say it but at the same time you're actually signing the pitcher because it's the pitching skills that you really want
3: Yeah,
0: 100% Well here you go guys, I've managed to pull up the stats for the highest batting average by a pitcher within the designated hitter era so that's since uh, 1973 I think Mm. 1993, here's a true or false. In 1993, a pitcher registered a batting average from 73 at-bats of between 300 and 350. Is that true or false, starting off with Alan?
1: Because of the absurdity of it, I'm going to say it's true.
0: Okay, that's one in the true column there. Uh, David Inns. Um Yeah, that would be...
3: 20 odd hits,
2: I would say false. I was going false as well, that sounds pretty, pretty good.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you that it is false. The picture oh. in 1993 that holds the record did not hit between 300 and 350. He in fact hit higher than 350. Wow. He hit 356 and that what was Oro Hershiser. Oh, I've heard of him, but... I will discover very quickly who that was with. <laughs> I think it may well have been with the Dodgers. Pretty amazing stat that one. I mean, seventy-three, yeah. seventy-three at bats is a fairly substantial number of yeah. at bats. Yeah, yeah, I, I
3: suppose it's, What do you get four or five at bats? Yeah, but a pitcher wouldn't play the whole game either. So he's only probably getting two or three at bats a game. So you
2: know, it's twenty it's odd games,
0: guys. Uh, I think as Alan.
2: As Alan get that question
0: wrong, do we take his run off him for the quiz? Yes, <laughs> yeah, I think there should be some kind of review to take his run off of the claim. Claim he didn't round one uh-huh. of the bases properly, I think we could do that.
1: Did did I, did I get it more right than the people who got it right? <laughs> That's
3: exactly, I was thinking, I couldn't articulate it the way that you know.
0: And there you have it, the very first episode of the Highland Bullpen is in the books. Thanks to Bullpen Bros, Dave, Alan and Dave. A big thanks to Hamish, I know it's not easy to bellow like that when you've got a Covid mask on. And don't miss next week's episode, where we'll take you through the second half of a rundown of which baseball teams, Scottish football fans should support. We'll also give our verdict in the opening days of the 2020 MLB season. So don't miss us, see you next week.
2: Well then, I am the second David and the other half of the the Davidy sandwich we have going on, which beautifully uh, is constructed with Alan and Richard somewhere snugly in the middle. Uh, I'm a very, very big sports fan and have met the guys over the years and we've travelled to various locations, which has really brought us closer together and meant that this podcast has became something very quite important to us. Uh, aside from sports, uh, and really all sports... Uh, I'm also very heavily into anything epic So if you're thinking about books or movie franchises Anything which is lengthy uh, That's that's my kind of bag Which may actually explain why 162 games in a season uh, of a sport Is something that appeals to me Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this podcast takes us Just uh, in terms of as friends But also in terms of how we can learn that bit more about baseball Uh, and the people we can meet over that period of time.